I was raised that you could tell accent is not from Minnesota. My accent is from uh, down in New Orleans and uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And my, some of my relatives, I look at swamp people to see if I find my relatives on there. I got actually relatives that hunt alligator for a living, in a sense, and do that. And so this is where I'm from. And as you know, Mardi Gras, if you don't know much about Mardi Gras, it is the, just a gigantic party and debauchery, do anything you want to do. It's just, it's just a crazy, crazy time. And I basically grew up with my whole family going to Mardi Gras, party. That's all I saw growing up as a kid family cursing each other out, smoking, drinking, getting drunk, getting in fights, next morning drink Bloody Marys and hug each other, uh, just kind of seeing it. Nobody in my family had ever been saved. No one had, I'd never seen a Bible growing up at all. Um, there was uh, no Christians, cousins, uncles, aunts, no one. And so I'm the first, I don't know, is anybody else here, you're the first one in your family to get right with God. And I'm just challenging you, if you're not right with God, the legacy you will leave by being, uh, you know, what I, come on, some of you are amen already. The legacy you're going to have, my, my children come to me and say, thank you, Dad, for the decision you made because my children, my grandchildren are growing up in church right now, and that otherwise wouldn't have taken place the way I was raised. But a uh, little, little background just to give you a, a little bit where I come from. Um, is that I uh, grew up down in New Orleans in Baton Rouge area down there. LSU, of course, is the big school there. And uh, I came up seventh grade. I, well, I came up fourth grade, started playing football because football is huge down in Louisiana. LSU's right there. And my dad always watched games. So I said, I got to start playing. Although uh, physically I wasn't big, I wasn't this huge guy, but I was very fast. I, don't, I, I think I was more scared than fast. But, you know, when you're scared, you can run. You can run when you... <laughs> so so uh, I, I started running. I, I was a running back. Then seventh grade, all these bands started coming out and things like that. So I was able to buy an electric guitar. So I started playing Jimi Hendrix and all this uh, cream and, and, and funk stuff and play all that. could play behind my neck and stuff like, like Jimi Hendrix could. I actually bought a Jimi Hendrix wig. I had a fro, a white guy with a fro. And I had a psychedelic vest I'd wear, and I'd play all his songs. And uh, so I kind of grew up with the band and doing football. What happened is my junior year in, in, uh, in high school, uh, we were the Broadmoor Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers, we had a big ship cannon that used to shoot when you made a touchdown. I mean, a real cannon. It just wasn't a sound. It was a real cannon. They had to outlaw it because it, it, it could kill somebody. It's a real cannon. And so uh, my dad lost his job uh, in between my junior and senior year. And I said, Dad, I mean, I'll, I'll work after school if it helped the family. No, no, no. He said, I want you to play football. I, I love watching you. I said, okay. Well, I felt like I have to get a scholarship because my family couldn't afford to send me to college. And so I've got, to, I've got to have a pretty good year here to, you know, to maybe get some scholarship off. Well, I did. They started calling me Boom Boom because I was averaging at least two touchdowns a game. And so the cannon would shoot off and, and go Boom Boom. Thank you so much. And, and so, <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, so it just put Boom Boom Berto, Boom Boom Berto. And it was all, so people would know me, uh, like know me more Boom Boom many times than know Glenn Berto. And so uh, we... Uh, I went to uh, my senior year. I was one of the five of the best players in the state of Louisiana. I was an All-American running back. And so I had scholarship offers all over the place. I could go where I wanted to go. Didn't know where to go because it's very confusing when these guys come in and recruit you. And then all of a sudden, I get, I get a Sports Illustrated, a Sports Illustrated back in the day. Uh, and on the cover had a guy named Terry Bradshaw. Anybody know Terry Bradshaw? I know who that is. Terry Bradshaw is on the cover 
and it's, he's like this, the blonde bomber, and he's like this. And uh, Terry Bradshaw from Louisiana Tech University, that's in North Louisiana, it's an engineering school, it's a real good school, but Terry was the number one draft charge to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's won four Super Bowls, so forth, things like that. But he was a senior in college when I was a senior in high school. So I'm looking at this thing here. I said, Dad, do you see this? Man, Terry Bradshaw, this guy from Louisiana, is the number one draft choice in the NFL. And all of a sudden, the phone rang. And I pick up the phone. I said, he said, boom, boom, there. I said, yeah. I said, who's this? I said, Terry Bradshaw. I said, I turned to my dad. I covered, I covered back an old phone with the cord. Some of you helped help me here. We didn't flip it or anything. You know, so I covered it. I said, Dad, I said, it's Terry Bradshaw. It's the guy on the cover of the book. Dad says, let me talk to him. I said, he didn't ask, ask for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so now, now church, let me just let you know, if you don't know, church to me is like family. It's not like anybody's a big deal here. No star hung over my manger. So I'm not here to impress anybody. Uh, we, we're just, we're in the living room right now. We're talking and then God's going to do something because we're all family here. Amen. That'd be good. So, so I ended up, I said, yes, sir. He said, I want to meet you. I understand you're a good ball player. I said, okay. I'll, you know, so I went up, met, make it short. I ended up signing a four-year scholarship there. Ended up starting four years. I started as a freshman. First time a freshman's ever, uh, won the most outstanding back award in the history of the school. Uh, and uh, I meet a guy named, and I know you, I was asking because they told me, who was here when Denny Duran came? Was any, anybody remember Denny Duran? Okay, remember Denny Duran? Okay, Denny Duran is in North Louisiana. I'm in South Louisiana, so we don't know. You know, they're kind of like Yankees, we're calling them in North Louisiana. They, they, we're the Southerners, they're Yankees up there. And so he's, he's, uh, uh, he comes and signs at Louisiana Tech. So he's on scholarship. So Denny is a Pentecostal preacher raised, some of you raised in this all your life. His daddy's a Pentecostal preacher. He saved, one of these guys saved when he's five years of age. I grew up going to Mardi Gras, party. You know, I mean, everything I knew was party. He grew up in church. He saved when he's five. I'm thinking, what can you get delivered of at five? What, a, a pack of M&Ms and quarter Kool-Aid? What, what are you, what are you, what are you bound by at five? So he's never gone through anything. He never even been to a party. So, I, so the first day we show up, both freshmen show up, and Denny wants to look for Boom Boom. They, they knew me in the state, and, and I signed there or whatever. So he comes up, and he walks up to me. He goes, are you Boom Boom? I said, yeah. He said, uh, I said, who are you? He said, I'm Denny. Denny Duran. How you doing? And then he looks at me. First thing he says, Never, don't even know the guy. Are you saved? And I said, from what? I, I, I had no idea. What, I never even heard the term. Never even heard it. He said, are you born again? Wow. Uh, I said, I was, I was Catholic. went to Catholic church as a kid. He said, have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart the Lord Jesus to be saved? Wow. Uh, you, are you a preacher or something? Yeah, I'm a preacher. I said, I'm not. I'm not a preacher, and I don't know anything about church, and I'm Mardi Gras, okay? So I'm party. So you weird, leave me alone. And so all year long, he's coming down to witness to me, and all year long, I'm going down telling him a dirty joke to upset him. So we're fighting. We're fighting. Okay. Come on. This is real life, folks. This is what people live out there. Okay. So we went on just to make it real short. We go on at each other. Denny would get up in the football thing and, and, and with our team and say, hey, there's a Bible study on Thursday night. I want y'all to come. When he finishes, I'd get up and say, hey, we're going to be partying after the game Saturday. We're going to be going here. So that's who I was. Come on. Don't, don't be shocked here. This is the world. I never even, no one's, ever, hey, I go all, all the way through high school, no one's ever witnessed to me. 
I didn't even know about salvation. I never heard of Samson. I never heard of David and Goliath. I didn't hear about all this stuff. You may be surprised thinking the whole world knows all what we talk about here. They don't know. They're not listening to your Christian music. They're not listening to any of your stuff there. They don't even want to talk to you. They've got their own little world. And this is why we're not the lights of the church. We're the lights of the world. So everything we do in here, we've got to go ahead and, and supersize it outside when we get out there. Do you understand? See, see, church, church is not for people that are scared to go to hell. Church is for people that's already been there. Come on, how many been there and you know? Thank God God came in your life and changed you. Thank God he saved you when he saved you. I don't think I'd be alive. I don't know about some of you. I wouldn't be alive right now if God hadn't saved me. The way I was going, direction I was going in. But I make this real short. Third year, Denny comes in my, uh, um, I go to a little Bible study because he told me if you come once, you never have to come again. You need to challenge some of your friends and your family. Just say, come with me one, and it only takes one time. It only takes one time. You, you know, they're high on drugs. Well, I got something higher than that. I got the most high. So forget about your little high. You got to show up in the presence of God here. That's going to give you a greater high. So what happened is, is I go to the little Bible study, and then he starts, he got all excited. He hadn't been in three years. And he starts preaching, and he's pointing at me when he's preaching to, to, the, to the team. And he's, and you, I've been talking to you for so many years, and you had, I said, what are you looking at me for? You know, the whole time. Well, I was convicted, and I, I'll tell you a story later, but I actually, the night before, had a dream, and I went to, I, I went to hell. And uh, uh, that's a whole other story. I, so I actually, first time I've had any kind of a vision or dream the day before I got saved, and I still was stubborn, but I actually went to hell, and I went up to the mirror when I went there. My head was sopping wet. It was the middle of the night. I woke up. My face had heat burns on, his fa on my face. I looked in the mirror and I said, there's a hell and I'm going there. First time in my life, I was a junior in college. And that's how real, I think God has to speak to some of us that don't know the Bible and don't know church. He has to almost audibly grab us like a Paul. Paul but nobody witnessed to Paul. God just knocked him off a horse and said, you get right, you know? And that's kind of what he did with me too. He did kind of a similar thing. And so what happened, I ended up walking out and Denny followed me in my room and he's smiling because I was, he knew I was convicted, but I didn't know what conviction was. And he looks at me and he's like, uh, uh, he's just smiling. I said, let me tell you why I don't want to get saved. Number one, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I said, if I'm going to get saved, I said, some of your boys here to say they're Christian are going out with me on Saturday night. So you know what? See, if you were, if you were halfway, let me just tell you something. If you are hurting because of the way you live and you're in church and you're not living 100% for God, you are messing up people that are looking at you and you're going to have to be stronger in the sense to be a witness for God. You are no witness at all if you're hanging around and doing everything and speaking like the world. You are in it, but you're not of it. Amen? How many follow me? Okay. All right. Just a little challenge here. Don't hurt your feelings hurt. <laughs> if you do, it's too bad. That's the word. All right. So, so what happens, I tell Danny, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I said, if I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to be a Christian. I said, number two, I don't want to be called the names we've been calling you. Uh, number three. <laughs> Number three, my mom and dad never understand. They're not saved. They're not Christians. They don't know what this is and on and on. And I go through this, and I, I looked at him. I said, Denny, tell me the truth. I said, is it really true what you've been telling me for all these three years? He didn't hesitate. He said, everything I told you, boom, boom, is true. He said, your life will be changed. You'll be a totally different person. And it was like Paul thing knocked off a horse. I had a hand grab me behind my neck and push me to my knees in my dormitory room, uh, and, and to kneel on the carpet I took from the cafeteria. So I kneeled down. <laughs> I gave it back. Don't worry. I gave it. And so I knelt down, and 
he gets all excited. He goes, go ahead and pray. And I do, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No, no, you know another prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. I remembered him as a kid. He goes, no, no, just ask the Lord to come in your life. April 30th, 1973, Hutchinson Dorm Room, 201 at 1131 at night. I knelt down. And I simply just said, Lord, forgive me and my sins. Jesus, forgive me. And I felt 21 years of stuff that I had grown up with, generational stuff, curses, whatever that's in my family. I felt when it says weights, I don't know about you don't have to necessarily feel that, but I did. And I felt just weight lifted off of me like this. And the first thing I said, church, was, it's real. Because, see, you know, you, you put, you know, like he's, he's one of these, uh, Jesus is just up there with all the uh, Batman and Robin Hood and all the big, big guys like that that are superheroes. He's a superhero. But I realized it was real. It was real. And my life was changed from that day to this day. I haven't said one curse word in 50 years. I haven't had anything to drink 50 years. Amen. God has totally transformed me. And you know what? It's true. You do become a new creature. Right. You do become a new That's creation. Right. And old things pass. Come on, somebody. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. Everything becomes new. Let me just say this here. Won't you bow your head? Let me do this right now. Bow your heads. Who in this place here, you came tonight, you're a good person. You wouldn't be in church on a Tuesday night. But you still have something on, still in your life that still nags you from your past. You're still dealing with in your life. And you know that God's not pleased with it. Let's pray for this and just deal with this before I go and tell you the story. All over the building here, I'm going to count to three. I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Glenn, I want to pray. Pray a prayer. And today's my day to just surrender and just let it all go. Start raising your hand. One, we're going to pray. Two, three. Lift your hands. Do you want this? You need to. Simple. Just lift your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all just put our hands up. Put our, let's all put our hands up. Pray this prayer real quick. Let's all pray it together. Lord Jesus, I ask forgiveness. Come into my life. Take away my pain. Take away my past. And let everything become new. I do love you. And I want to live for you. And this is the day I surrender it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Isn't that good? <laughs> Pastor, a lot of people raise their hand. It's real nice. Hey, hey, let me just tell you this. You're the heroes. You're, you're not weak by doing that. You're not weak by doing that. You're very strong because you broke the back of the devil that's trying to hold you back where you are, and you're progressing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm proud of you. I, you're, you're, the, you're the heroes tonight. Now, let me just say a quick prayer, and then I'm going to tell you the story. It's an unbelievable story. It's a story uh, that just two days ago I'm in Los Angeles, and they're talking about doing a movie of. Uh, I was just talking to a, a, a writer uh, that, that recorded at least four hours so there's no way I'm be able to tell you everything, but it'll be it'll be four hours in, uh, that we talked and he recorded everything uh, about this story, but also even my my uh, salvation story. So we'll see what happens. Whatever happens, it doesn't matter to me, but it's it may be something to help people. Father, I thank you, <clears throat> thank you that I'm able to put a sentence together. I thank you that I'm taking a breath. I thank you that, Lord, the devil does not have the power to take a life. He can't, he can't kill me, kill anybody here. It's all up to you, Lord. And I pray, let, Lord, tonight 
there are people here that have been suffering because I understand it. There are people been hurting. There are people in major difficulty. And this is the night, God, our faith is going to rise. And we're going to believe this is the night that God's going to heal. We will bring faith and hope tonight to each and every one in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen? amen. Okay, good, good. Um, oh, I didn't even mention this. Um, before I share with you, uh, I, wrote, I wrote a book. Uh, well, I got a new book. I didn't bring a new one. This one was written just a couple of years ago. It was written before the, the cardiac arrest, before I died. I wrote a book, and all pastors, we deal with people, congregations that have sickness and illness and things like that, and in a hospital don't understand it. We go and pray, and we don't know what, or we, what, what, why didn't they get healed or whatever. So I wrote a message of why am I not healed when God promised. Okay, this is years ago, maybe four years ago. Uh, why am I not healed when God promised? I said, boy, if we could understand that, then, boy, it would help us. So I wrote this, and then it, it hadn't gone to print yet, and I died. So it wouldn't have sold real well. <laughs> Why am I not healed when God promised by Pastor Glenberto? He died last week. You'll die too. You know, I, I, it, it's not a good promo for the book. To, so <laughs> I got how to get a miracle on the back. What I didn't know is that I wrote the book for you, but it was really for me. I wrote my own book for my own healing. I would say other than the Bible, uh, this, I, I don't have, I have some, I'm gonna, I'll go in the back and sign some for you, but uh, this, this has all kinds of scriptures, but I, the resurrection story is in the back, and you'll hear my family describe, my kids describe and seeing their dad dead, so forth, things like that, what it did to them. And uh, 17 hindrances to your, to your healing, to your miracle. We always think it's just faith. No, no, 16 more. You've got to look at that. This, this will help you here. I know it'll help you no matter what, okay? Let me give you three, three quick points here, and then I'm going to share the story here. Here's some things that, that I'm, I learned here. God's the only one. You can put that up there. God's the only one that can take something bad, make it worse, and call it a promotion. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, found that out, that you're going to have to have something bad happen, and then it's going to get worse, then all of a sudden, oh, God was in that. You know, hey, God was doing something. And it happens to us. You look at everybody in the Bible, same thing, same story. Bad, gets worse. All of a sudden, God does something. You look at all the people in the Bible, it goes that way. Here's, here's number two that I'll, I'll show you real quick. Success is not based on what you have done, but what you've left undone. So I've got to ask myself, I'm still here. I can look at what I've done. If I compare it to somebody, I can always find somebody where, oh, I've done more or whatever. We can all do something like that, but that, that's not what we do is do that. You run in your own lane. It's your race. But apparently, I'm still breathing and still alive because God is not done with me. And so you've got to understand, no matter how old you are, how young you are, you don't look back on what you've done. It's what you have left undone. God has you here because you still have something to do. Amen? I mean, understand that. You've got something else to do meaning God's plan is still active. He still has something for you to accomplish. You just need to find it, and you need to keep asking, and you need to stay active, serving in the church and giving and doing what you've got to do. You've got to stay there and be in a line of being obedient so God can use you. Amen? Amen. And here, here, i just share one more point here, and, and that's this. Always get a second opinion. Okay? Doctors will give you an opinion. Friends will give you an opinion of things. Family gives you an opinion. 
but also I have another opinion. I got a word from God. Thank you, doctor, for what you're saying. I appreciate it because I have doctors in my church. I have nurses in my church, nurse practitioners. I have that. But I also have another doctor. I have one that the spoken word, this is why you need to know this. Because see, when the devil comes in with thoughts of you're not going to make it, you're not going to have this, you can't have a child, you, you're going to get a divorce, you, you're going to be sick the rest of your life, you're going to be laying in bed, blah, blah, blah. I have, a, I have another opinion here. Amen. And really, this is the only opinion that That's really right. matters. Amen? Amen? This is the one that matters. Come on. All right. This is what happened. I'm going to show you a video. Okay? So this is, uh, this is on 11-24, November 24th. 2019. Uh, I'm in Modesto, California, uh, and I'm preaching. We were, we were doing a series, Pastor, on uh, like finances and, and money, tithes and offerings and giving to the Lord, seed and so forth, things like that. So what happened on, on this one, I was preaching on money, money, money and played that song. Uh, anybody know the song? Uh, money, money, money. Who knows that? Who's ever heard that song? Heathens. You're a bunch of heathens out there. Okay. So, yeah, so I... <laughs> <laughs> so I played a song. And, well, I'm from Louisiana where they, music is just, you know, all the time. And I'm, I'm one of the few white people that can keep a beat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, thank God we have other people in our churches. But, but what I'm saying is that, that so I, I kind of, they started playing Money, Money. Well, I just kind of started dancing a little bit. Now, the reason I'm showing you this, because I just want to show you just what I look like. It's no big deal here of what you're seeing. But what I look like, because the next day I'm dead. So when we tell you, pastor tells you that you're not guaranteed tomorrow, that's not a hype thing. That's not something to scare you. Look in the paper of what happened at a mall, what happened at a, uh, and you thought those people went there and thought they were going to die that day? You and I don't even know. I mean, it's even crazier now than it's ever been for us to go anywhere. We don't know. We don't know who's high, who's drunk or whatever. So you've got to be ready. That's why I gave you a call. I just want you ready. I want you with me up there. We all want you there. Pastor does too. We want you there with us. So that's why I shared that. So what happens is they started playing Money and Money. So I did kind of a little dance. I just kind of went out and did a little dance. Now, I didn't show off because I, you know, I don't want people screaming and you know, throwing their Bibles up and stuff. So I, I, didn't, I didn't break out. You know what I'm saying? But you, you can see the potential uh, that is there. Just... <laughs> oh, Lord. What am I saying? All right. But you, you'll be able to see it. And then I, and, but uh, the point is, is what I'm showing you. I'm dead the next day. But I'm showing you what I look like. That's all I'm showing you for. So let's show a little bit of the clip. This is Sunday at our church uh, in Modesto, California. And to set this up, you have to have a theme song. And so let me just play our theme song here that we have. purchased you by his blood using a currency and bought you back and said, now I lost you, Glenn, and I bought you now back, so now you're mine. Oh, God, here's my money. Oh, God, here's my, here's my watch. Oh, God, here's everything that I have. Here's all I have. You know what? That's still not enough. 
I still love. All of it belongs to him anyway, so am I really giving him anything? The only thing that's precious that he wants is not your junk. He wants you. Monday night. My wife runs this. She has a whole altar team she teaches, so forth, things like that. I'm pretty tired. I was tired this particular Monday, and sometimes I stay home, uh, especially if there's a good game. But no, I, I, I just, no, no, I had to go. I'm the pastor. I go. But I, I was tired. I was tired, and sometimes I'd stay home, very few times, but I didn't want to go. But it just happened to be my wife's um, pre-birthday party, her prayer team was giving her. And so she's begging me, said, come on, go. You got to go to my birthday party. That was the only reason that I went so she had a birthday. If she didn't have the birthday party, I would have sat home. And when she got home two hours, two and a half hours later, I'd have been dead in the chair. She'd have found me dead sitting at the house. And so I go up and I go with her. We drive all the way, which is 30 minutes, drive to our church. And we have, we got about 30 acres. So it's, it's, it's all over the place. And her her birthday party was like over in the fellowship hall and I got to drive around to get there. We're in the back of the church over here. And so uh, I go into the pastor's lounge. She's kind of getting her prayer thing ready. And then she's got her little birthday party before the prayer meeting starts. So you know there's going to be a lot of people come for prayer, but we're early before prayer starts. So I walked out to the car one minute before her. I walked out to the car and I go sit in the seat. Uh, now, I don't remember any of this really, right? I don't remember it doing this, but Debbie, she said, I'm about a minute after you. I walked about a minute after you. I sit in the car, and my head is back like this on the seat. I, I could have fallen on the concrete. It could have been, I, I sitting in the seat of, front seat of the car, and my head is back. And she goes, come on, let's go. She just saw me walk out. Just saw me walk out. Now, let me help you with the difference. Anybody in the medical field here? Medical field, do we have anybody? Okay. Huh? Do we? You waving to me? Where at? Oh, right here. And are, are you a, uh, what, a nurse, nurse practitioner, uh, or a doctor? Nurse. A nurse? Do you know anything of the Glasgow Coma Scale? A little bit on that? Okay. I, I, okay. But she'll, she'll say yes when I tell the story. <laughs> you will. Okay. So... So what happened is I, my head's back. Debbie's like, I just saw you, you know, so come on, let's go. We got to go to the party. I'm, I'm gone. I'm totally gone. See, what was confusing is a heart attack's different than a cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest is electrical, meaning this. Uh, when you saw the Bills player that fell on national TV, he had a cardiac arrest. He's standing there dead the next minute. He, di he didn't remember anything. You don't remember anything. You don't feel any chest pain. There's nothing. It's a light switch. Switch on. Dead, dead, life, dead. It's that quick. You don't, you don't even know what happened. So my head is back. I'm dead. She doesn't know that. She just saw me. She starts shaking me. She said, come on, Glenn. We got to go. She said, what's wrong with you? And she, she, she starts scolding me some, like getting mad at me, and I'm dead. I, it was wrong. It was just wrong. You know, well, give me a break. I can't, can't talk. I'm dead. So she comes around the car, and, and she starts shaking me. She goes, I'm going to call 911 like I'm going to threaten you. Now you're going to wake up. And... And so what happened is she's doing that. We have a lady named Penny. And Penny, you'll see her on the next video. We did a 700 Club reenactment. Re they wanted me to do a reenactment. 700 Club came in and video. Because it's right in our parking lot of our, of our it's going to, you can see it. That's our, I'm, I'm in the back of the parking lot. And Penny came and she's walking. We didn't know that not only is she a nurse practitioner, 
Uh, but Penny's also was a cardiac arrest nurse for over 20 years. She's walking in. She's walking to the wrong place because she's not able to come hardly at all. She's working, has never really come to the prayer meeting early, but she came just because of my wife's birthday. She's supposed to, though, park over there where which her birthday party is, but she parks two places down from my car. And she starts walking in a church, and as she's walking in, she hears Debbie, my wife, say, Glenn, wake up. Glenn, wake up. She said the Lord talked to her and said, you can help pastor go over there. She comes over. She says, I felt your neck. You have no pulse. Opened your eyes. They're dilated. You're dead. I pulled you out of the car, which when we did a reenactment, she couldn't even lift me up out of the car. And uh, she pulls me out. My feet are still on the seat. I'm on the ground. And she goes, I'm sorry, I had to break your chest bone. That's the only way you do the CPR. You got to break the chest bone here. And so she's pushing. She's going. Then she said, you did something after five minutes that, uh, that I've never seen before. I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, after five minutes, the Lord says, take your hands off of me. Uh, take your hands off of him. And she goes, that was kind of odd. But I took my hands off of you. You opened your eyes, threw your hands up, and said, oh, God, and went back dead again. I said, well, Penny, have you ever seen that? She goes, no, you don't have a pulse. You have no pulse. I said, then what do you think happened then? I said, I felt the Spirit tell me that, that, that the Spirit went back into your body. Don't stop. Now, that one little thing there kept the whole process going for over 45 minutes, which they don't go that long when you're doing CPR. So what happened is, is that she goes and, and goes 10 more. She, on, on her own, she went 15 minutes by herself on me, and then finally the paramedics come. Paramedics come, and what happened during that time, I got a pulse and went back dead seven times, never woke up, don't remember it at all, because uh, there's never really a pulse that I had. But they, they, they had like a beep or something about seven times is what they had in over 45 minutes. The, the uh, captain uh, said to stop three times. He said, leave him alone. We've been doing this too long. We're going to have to let him go. Uh, just let him go. So then the, the, across the, the street is the hospital from our church. So they, on the seventh time, they got just a little beep there, so let's get him over to the hospital. They put me in the emergency room, and then I died the eighth time in the emergency room, which ironically, eight in the Bible means resurrection. It means new birth. It means new beginnings. They put me in the emergency room, and I know all that happened because there were two nurses that knew me in the emergency room. And they said they didn't hook you up to anything. They just laid you in a bed because you were too far gone. You're last on the kiosk to help because you have been over 45 minutes without the wrong oxygen. Uh, number two, this Glasgow Coma Scale is what they check on your motor skills and your eyes and so forth. And a one is what you get in three areas, so you get a three. 15 is each area is normal. I'm a three, I'm brain dead. So if you're brain dead, brain damaged, then you have no hope to if we try to waste our time saving this guy, even if we save him, there's no quality of life. So I can understand in a sense of why they didn't do anything, but uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't try to just lay me and put dead on the doors, what they did. So I'm in the emergency room. During this time, there was a period of time, I have no idea what happened other than this thing. We have a guy named Juan. Juan is two hours south of my city in Fresno. And Juan was a, uh, he's a travel nurse. And Juan was working in the emergency room at the hospital I'm at, but he drives two hours, then drives two hours back, and wondering why he has to keep doing this for his job, would like to get something closer. Now, I've already met with Juan, so I'm telling the story. 
So Juan would say, uh, Juan, I, I talked to Juan, and Juan says, uh, I want to meet with you. I said, I don't know. I know I, I never seen him. I don't know who he is. And Juan says, uh, I was in the emergency room when you came in. I said, you were? He said, yeah. He said, what, what I would do, I would go into your room, and I would sing worship songs to you. And when I'd sing worship songs, your blood pressure would blink. And then I would have to leave, and then I'd come back, and I would sing worship songs, and then your blood pressure would blink. And I'd come out, and I said, well, Juan, do you, do you know, how do you know me? Do you know me? He says, yeah. He said, 10 years ago, you came to Fresno, you came to my city, and you preached in a church. It was my first time in the church. During the altar call, you pointed to the back, and you said, you need to get right with God. He said, that was me. And when I came to the altar, you walked and you said, you're going to be a worship leader. I'm a worship leader in my church now, and you led me to the Lord. That's the guy that's there singing to me. It gets crazy. And so what happened is the only way they hooked, started hooking me up to stuff is because uh, a person that is, is a friend of mine in the city that he has me dedicate his hotels, uh, they called him. And uh, we, what I found out later is that he's the head board member of the hospital that I'm in. He calls administrator and tells the administrator, I want to find out how Pastor Glenberto's doing. The administrator calls down to the emergency room, and they start hooking me up to everything like they're trying. They're trying to do something. So, um, so the next day is, is basically I'm going to show you. Uh, you'll see Penny. Penny's on the video here because that was part of the 700 Club clip. You'll see my wife talking. And, uh, and then I'm going to stop it at a certain point, and I'm going to explain to you what the Spirit was doing with my wife uh, in the whole process. I had, my kidneys were not working, uh, bladder was not working, heart's not working, lungs not working. Uh, they put me on a ventilator. You'll see the ventilator uh, in a hospital. You see that. that I, have, I have four deep in blood pressure machines. There were more machines. The nurses were saying more than ever seen in their life. Um, and so this is the next day. So this is 1125. And here's a picture of this. time to drive around to the party, Glenn went to the car while Deborah finished some work. By the time she came out, Glenn appeared to be asleep at the wheel. When she tried to wake him, he didn't respond. The more I shook him and nothing was happening, I was realizing the seriousness of it. At that moment, Penny Greaves, a member of the prayer group there for the party, came over. She just happened to get off work early and had parked on the wrong side of the building where Glenn's car was. She also happens to be a nurse practitioner and pulled Glenn from the car. He was pulseless. I concluded he was dead because um, he was pulseless. He wasn't breathing and his pupils were dilated. Eventually, Glenn was taken to ICU and for six hours they waited and prayed. Then around 1 a.m., a doctor came out with devastating news. He said, he's not good. And I said, well, is he dead? And he said, not yet, but he will die tonight. I just remember saying, can I see him? He said, yes, go say goodbye to him.
So uh, on the third night that I'm in this situation here with no sign of life at all, just keeping the machines, just keeping your body going. Um, my wife called Denny Duran. We're just like brothers. We called Denny Duran. And she says, call in the middle of the night. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. Denny picked up first time it rang, she said. And she said, Denny, I don't want to lose my husband. And Denny said, well, don't. <laughs> it's easy for you to say, yeah, don't. Uh, he said, well, don't. And she goes, uh, okay. Uh, and so she hung up and, and said, God, you got to show me something. Give me something. Just like we all would, you know. And so 5 o'clock in the morning, she, she doesn't wake up at 5 o'clock. Five o'clock in the morning, she wakes up. God is saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Loud, wakes her up. She wakes up and she goes, oh, where is the resurrection? Where is that at? She's by herself at the house. And resurrection, well, that's the story of Lazarus. And it's John 11, 25, where it says, I'm the resurrection and life. If, now, listen to what I'm about to say. If you believe. You don't know how many times in the Bible it says, if you believe. It's easy for me to believe for you, but you can't believe for yourself. If you believe. Then, and also with the story, you got to understand is that, well, I can pretty much pray. I can do it on my own. No, you need church. You know why you need church? Just like I did. Because I couldn't pray for myself in the situation I was in. Oh, I have faith. I can pray things, but I can't. And at times, you won't be able to do it yourself. You need to have some faithful brothers and sisters from the church. That's why you don't just stay home. If you can, you can come to church, you get to church because you're going to need us one day when you can't pray yourself. Amen? Okay. So, so what happens is Debbie prays, and as John 11 said, if you believe, though you die, you will live. You can't find anything better in the Bible. John 11:25. 25. I'm the resurrection of life. If you believe, though you die, you will live. John 11:25. 25. I died on 11:25. I died on November 25th. So this picture here, she, if she was here, she would tell you, he said, I'm paralyzed now. I'm in a coma. I'm on a ventilator. I'm, I, there's no movement. I can't move. She said, your head was turned to us. Well, we're looking at it to the right there. It would have been facing the right. And Debbie's talking to me. And she said, what you did, you turned your head and you tried to open your eyes. And you can see my eyes uh, are, are kind of squinting, but they were closed. I, I had no motion. I couldn't do motion. I was paralyzed. And I, she said, That's, the spirit was saying, don't give up. And it was the first time she said, he's still there. He's still there. And so I don't remember this. It's not anything that I remember at all. And then uh, we go to Sunday. Uh, let, let, me, no, let, let, me, let me tell you this story here because this is going to be crazy. Um, let me tell you one thing that I saw. You, you ready for this? Um, what happens on Sunday, they basically say that we got to take the ventilator out say your goodbyes, and usually you die right after that and take the ventilator out. The time they're doing this, I've got the timing, doctors and so forth, things like this. At the same time, I'm now having a vision. And see, what you've got to understand, we know when they tell you, doctors say, well, talk to them, they can hear you. The doctor don't know that. But I'm telling you on the other side, you can hear, but you don't hear with your natural ears because you're done, you're, you're gone. Your spirit hears. And it sounds different. I realize it's a different sound in the sense to hear with your earthly ears and to hear with your spiritual ears because your spirit lives forever, right? So you're able to hear. 
So here it is. I'm at the point when the doctor is ready to pull the ventilator out. This is what's happening to me in the spiritual realm. I'm sitting in a room that's pitch black, can't see anything. I remember doing this and I could see no movement. And as a feeling as you kind of feel somebody's in the room and I felt the room was full. And the reason I knew it was a room because there's a door, I could see the outline of the door and there was a light on the other side of the door. And I could see the outline and there's a figure that's walking back and forth and it's blinking. I could see it blink, but I couldn't tell the shape because it was just so dark in that room. It was just dark. Now, I'm from Louisiana, and, and, and I, I've been through hurricanes and tornadoes that come through the Gulf. I know what they sound like. Powerful, powerful, deep, rumbling earth sounds that are just so forceful. It's amazing. I start hearing that sound as I'm sitting in the room. And it's at a distance, and it sounds like a tornado, hurricane kind of sound like that. It starts coming to the room. As it's getting closer, I realize it's people's voices. And then as it gets closer, I recognize the voices. So I'm not alive, but I hear my wife. I hear my pastors. I hear people I know around the world. I, I know people around the country, people that are friends of mine. I hear them praying, and they're saying the same thing, chanting it together, death, you can't have him. See, you got to understand all this gender identity, all this stuff going on in our society, that's a spirit of death. The devil's come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So all this we're fighting today is death. And so that's the root of it, of everything that's growing a tree. That's the root is the spirit of death. So what happens, it gets to the door. It's deafening. I mean, it's so loud. And they're saying, death, you can't have him. Death, you got to let him. There's a command that's going forth. And I'll, I see this thing blinking now faster like it's nervous. And I'm trying to figure out still what's going on. And I'm recognizing voices that are commanding death to leave. All of a sudden, about 10 seconds, I didn't see any movement. It came to me in the dark, grabbed me by the arm, brought me to the door and said, you got to get out now. Opened the door. I turned to look to see what it looked like, but it went behind the door like this where I couldn't see, pushed me out. When he pushed me out, the ventilator comes out of my mouth. I start breathing and an atheist uh, doctor says, Miracle Sunday, Miracle Sunday. And I started breathing at the same time. Now they gather my family around. And they say, hey, he's breathing, but he's got brain damage. He's uh, probably going to be on a feeding tube. He's not going to recognize you. He's had, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he probably will be in a bed, won't be able to walk and so forth, things like that. My whole family looks at him and said, Doc, I guess you're going to have another story to tell. You got to have people of faith. Now, that's not all. That's not all. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. This is going to be important for you to hear. It's not just people of faith, it's people with authority. Because I'm now not awake yet. I'm not awake. I'm still in this spiritual hearing thing. But I hear people now with a different sound, like I said, with my ears are working. So I'm hearing talk, but I'm, I'm so drugged up, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm still on the bed uh, uh, in surgery. And so I, I'm hearing word, I'm hearing talk in there, and I'm like, I'm alive. I think I'm alive. Uh, God, uh, and that now I'm talking. I'm talking to God. I say, God, uh, it, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. How am I alive? He said, tell me the Scripture again. It's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. He says, how long is then? How many times have we heard that Scripture? He said, you ask your son to mow the front yard, mow the backyard, then you're going to have dinner. What time's dinner? 
I don't know how long. He said, Lazarus, once you judge, you can't come back. You were not judged. Lazarus wasn't judged. You can't come back after this. I said, but how was I able to come out of that room of death? How was I able to come out of that? He said, come on, Glenn, you know the Bible. He, God's rebuking me here. Uh, you know the Bible. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, okay, take the seven sons of Siva in the book of Acts. What did the devil say? Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? He said, Glenn, most of the church are who are yous. So when they ask, there's no authority. See, it's amazing how we want God to do something we hadn't done anything. We're not committed, but we want him committed to us in every situation that we're in. I'm just telling you, you got to be just careful with this. So I needed people, just as Jesus said, get out of the room if you don't have authority. If you, if you have doubt, get out of the room. They did that even in a prayer meeting in my church, that they said, you leave if you don't believe God can do a miracle. And there were people actually got up and left. I'm glad they did. But you have to have this faith and have authority to be able to speak to a spirit of death to make it move. And many people, because of commitment, that's what I'm saying, you've got to be committed to God. You've got to be committed to the church. You've got to give. You've got to do what the Bible says. You've got to be obedient. Because one day you're going to ask the one that has all authority to do something, and you don't have any authority at all. Who are you? Who are you? It doesn't make you a Christian because you sit here tonight. You're not a Christian just because you sit in church. Just like I go to McDonald's, I'm a hamburger? What? I mean, <laughs> you know, it doesn't make me where, where I'm at. I'm just trying to help you, really. I, I, I'm not here rebuke. I want you, I don't want you to miss whatever God has for you. Really, that's all I want to do. So what happens, they pull it out, I start breathing, and then they have the whole family apparently in a room. I'm not awake yet, and the doctor comes in to see if I'm able to understand or I have brain damage, which he told him I did. Glenn, what city are you in? What city are you in? Where were you born? I said, where were you born? Why are you asking me stupid questions? He's okay, sarcastic. He's all right. I had a memory from day one. I, 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 I could... I, I, I had it from day one. First thing I felt was pain. I had tremendous pain in my body. Uh, but I think, and I've asked God, I said, why? Why, uh, why me? Why, why did I do this? He said, well, I need, I need not somebody just to preach on it. I need, because the Bible is full of miracles, right? It starts with us being made out of dirt. And then what happens when you die? Go back to dirt. Do you realize, you know, all this racism stuff that, that you know, we wanted to hate just because of a color? Do you realize, I looked up, and you can look it up, look at all the different colors of dirt on the earth. <laughs> every color of every human being on this planet is in the, in the dirt. There's nobody better than any other dirt. Dirt's dirt. We're all the same. Nobody's better. It's all the same. I'm telling you, it was amazing when I, the Lord said, look at the dirt I made. And it's all, every, every color in the, in the world is in there. So God says, I need somebody to bring faith to my people and not just preach on it, but to be there. Now, I've had, I've got five stents. I got uh, valley fever, which next year could kill you. It's a fungus in your lungs from pesticides, insecticides, and goes to your brain and kills you. I ended up with a thousand sores like Job. 
all over my body. Um, prostate cancer. I've had cancer. I don't have it anymore. My kidneys, I needed a kidney transplant when I came out. Three weeks later, my kidneys healed. And they said, it's, it's impossible. They don't heal. Just like your eyes and your ears, it goes bad. It goes, but you can't fix it. My bladder didn't work at all. I said, if my kidney's working, my bladder's going to work. And it started working. Cancer's gone. And so I wrote a message of, devil, your request has been denied. It's been denied. There are other stories I can tell you, but, but what I, I can't, I think you've heard enough. But what I want to do is believe for you. The reason pastor called me to come here because he loves you enough to say, look, I, I want somebody just like I would to help my people. And uh, that's what I, would, I want to ask God to do tonight. Would you stand? Let's stand. I could stand up and scream and do all that, and I don't know if I need to, you know. Let, let me tell you this. Look here. Every day to me is special now. I kind of took it for granted, no matter what age you are. You, just me standing here, you being here. Band can come on up. They told me to tell them to come up if they want to. Uh, you just being here. Me doing this is more for me than you, really. Because, see, the devil's tried to take my life at least eight times over the years. And so I, I, I know that no matter how I feel, do I feel like I did back up there? No, I'm not there yet. It's taken a while. Like a doctor told me, he said, you've been hit by a, a semi-truck. Then it rolled back over you, and then it ran over you again. I said, that's encouraging. But you know what? I, I understand. See, some people don't understand. I think God brought me through all this because he said, taste and see so you can identify with people in the church. I know what it's like to have pain every day for years. I know what it is to not feel right, feel like you used to. I understand. I understand cancer can be healed because I've seen it happen. I've seen heart disease. I've seen all of it take place. I used to, used to have people that would come up and have a shoulder, my shoulder sore, my knee sore. I don't get that anymore. I get uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, I have a month and a half to live. People that are desperate. They're desperate. And I, God put me here tonight to, to encourage you. Now, let me just give you a secret here. It doesn't matter what happens tonight. I'm going to tell you what you do. This is what I did. You don't need pastor or conference. You don't need this for you to receive what God has for you. What I'm saying is you don't need this and look for this as this is where it's going to happen. It can happen anywhere, anytime, wherever you're at. Every night, years after this, I lay hands on my head. I don't need pastor's hands. I know the same God. I'm going to lay hands on my head, and I'm going to say I'm going to wake up next day better. Jesus, heal me. Take care of this. And I would just stand against that spirit of death and pray that spirit of life in my body. And the only reason I'm standing here is because I did that over and over and over and over. See, sometimes we leave disappointed because it didn't happen immediately. Sometimes it does. 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm down in L.A. with my son-in-law's church, daughter's church. And the guy was 28 years old, one of the singers, had, had four cysts in his stomach and uh, tumors. He, he FaceTimed me uh, about three weeks ago and said, do you remember this guy? I said, yeah. He said, his tumors are gone. They're gone. He's 28 years old. So, I mean, I've seen it. I, I had a guy at stage four cancer sent home to die. And he's uh, a security guy in my church. So, yeah, that can happen. But many times what happens is, is God's wanting to see your faith activated. See what I'm saying? If your faith is not built through the process, then, you know, what, what's, the, what's the point then, you know? That means you're going to go constantly look from meeting to meeting, whoever has the gift or whatever, to do that. Where God's saying, no, I want to build you up. See what I'm saying? I want you to be built up. Because there's going to be a times where we're not going to have the church maybe when I need them. So, there are a lot of reasons of why, but tonight, this is where we're going to start the process. God can do something immediately in your life, or it's going to be a process that God's going to build your faith. God does not want to leave you in little faith. See, he goes from little faith to much faith to great faith. There's a process of your faith growing. Where, do I, am I scared to death? Been there. No. <laughs> Been there, not no. I have no problem, no, no fear at all. There's no fear at all. I don't worry about what's going to happen to me. I just push through. And every day that I'm able to wake up, I won. God and I won. He is a resurrection God. He can resurrect marriages. He can resurrect anything. He can give you a child if you. you know, thank you, doctors, for helping. But I've got another doctor that has a different opinion. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.